slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle Whisker, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize. Throughout October, we have been taking a look at some of the most recent genre releases to hit both the theaters as well as, uh, you know, different streaming platforms. Be sure to stay connected with the show on X at Handle Whisker Pod, and be sure to join us every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time uh, for our weekly Twisted Tuesday watch parties over at kick.com for slash Jimmy Drunk, which, you know, next Tuesday's Halloween, so uh, I'm sure we're just going to hang out on Monday, because uh, that would obviously make the most sense. Because, uh, yeah, getting together on Halloween, while, uh, you know, that, that might be ideal, because... You know, we're all horror nerds. Uh, probably not the best, you know, just because, uh, you know, it's a holiday. So we'll get together on Monday. We'll figure out what the plan is on that front. Maybe we'll do our our Grindhouse uh, trailer night next week. Oh. I, don't, I don't know. I got to figure it out. Uh, but either way, tonight I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie, to discuss Cobweb, uh, which hit theaters earlier this year and is now available to stream via Hulu. Uh, so, Zombie, you know little late on this episode, unfortunately. A uh, lot, lot of stuff happening, uh, you know, between my vacation, uh, my birthday, celebrating things early on a day that I had no idea we were doing it. So here we are, you know, basically a week and a half after the fact uh, to talk about this movie. And, you know, it's one of them that I, I, I feel like, uh, how, how should I say this? I feel like we were trying to land a plane uh, with no brakes. With this one, because there there are definitely moments where this movie has the uh, potential to, like, really take off. <laughs> uh, and then there's just other times where it's just, it's just I feel like we're nose tailing, uh, especially when we get to moments of the third act, especially, uh, which we'll get into. Hmm. Where should I start? Well, I'll start with the premise. The premise is cool. I, I do like the premise. Um, the visuals in this movie are very, very good. The pumpkin patch out in the backyard. I mean, that is... They've turned one of the most wholesome things you can think of into a very, very scary place. Which And it was uh, that part of it was really well done. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of parts of this movie, to me, that it felt like people literally stopped and said, so we did that what's next? And then they gave, like, everybody in the room a shot at, like, writing the next scene. Um, so it was... It, the third act, especially, is nothing short of awful. Um, and it's disappointing because it started out so good and this movie had so much promise. Now, you had said this earlier in the year to me, um, and it's kind of why I waited to watch it. You said it was released at the wrong time, which is why it just... Mm -hmm tanked at the box office and you're right it was released at the wrong time whoever did that or made that decision should be removed from their job because they don't know what the fuck they're doing um that said uh story-wise script-wise i mean uh, this movie's got some problems um and i don't know if it's necessarily trying to slow down when it's landing i'm not entirely sure it ever took off um it 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 was like that guy that has the experimental airplane that's trying and trying and trying, and finally he gets it off the ground, and then he dies in the crash. So it's like, I don't know. But again, good premise. Definitely some cool parts of the story, but the third act is such a colossal letdown that it. we'll get into it, but yeah, good grief. Yeah, so so maybe maybe the right comparison, uh, bringing us back to, like, Sky Sharks, <laughs> was... Uh... You know, we, we really needed to uh, throw out some of the heavies. Well, yeah, but that it was boils, us down. <laughs> well, but it boils down to enjoyment, right? Yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. really, that's, and I think I've said this here in other places, my first factor is enjoyment. 
Um, I enjoyed Sky Sharks more than I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> so um, maybe maybe Sky Sharks set a bar that's so incredibly low <laughs> that maybe um, maybe even the latest Hollywood offering can't quite meet it. Um, but I, but also we know that isn't true because we've had we've had The Exorcist and we've had Saw, both of which were decent. You know, um, Saw more so than than Exorcist, but still decent. Um, I'm really kind of aghast that a, a, a semi-large studio released this movie and with especially the third act, but really midway through the second act, shit the bed so hard. I, I, it's like, how did this happen? I, I just, I don't understand it. Um, but like I said, we'll talk about it because holy mackerel, my friend. Yeah, it's, wow. it's definitely one of those situations where I don't fully want to put blame on the fact that this was a first time director. Uh, in uh, Samuel uh, Bowden. Uh, so this is, you know, his first take on it. Uh, but yeah, like, this is one of those movies that, at its core, definitely tries to... Uh, I'm trying to think, like, it definitely goes for, like, the, the grim fairy tale approach to the storytelling. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, like, there are some really cool visuals. I know for me personally, a lot of, like, the shadow play when we get into the third act, uh, was pretty cool. Obviously, like, the, the lawn webbing of the hair, very, you know, J-horror-esque, uh, which is great. And, you know, you kind of got, like, that slow crawl, uh, with the hair on the floor, which is, uh, definitely a, a really cool visual. Um, but getting to that point, uh, you know, there's definitely moments that are just really stretched out. Uh, so basically we have Cobweb, which revolves around this young, you know, shy, sensitive eight-year-old boy, uh, Peter. Uh, and Peter really struggling to make any sort of friends at his school. Uh, and, you know, of course, part of that is due to the fact that he has... Very overprotective parents, you know, very relatable, uh, you know, kid here. Uh, so, you know, early on, parents seem, you know, fairly normal. Uh, but, you know, the, the family dynamics start to shift uh, the moment that Peter starts to hear uh, basically knocking on the wall in his bedroom. And, you know, at first, his parents tried to, like, write it off. Uh, basically saying like, oh, son, you know, you're, you're just having a nightmare. There's nothing to it. You know, get back to bed. All the stereotypical shit that you would deal with, uh, thinking that like, you know, your imagination is just running wild and it's getting the best of you uh, in this moment. And, you know, as it as it uh, grows larger, of course, the parents are starting to get more angry with him. Uh, and they get to the, you kind of like have that breaking point where the parents are just so fed up and they just accuse Peter of making this entire thing up. Uh, but you know, it's, it's so obvious with, with this, like the parents are trying to hide something. And that is really the biggest mystery that we are trying to uncover by the end of Cobweb. Uh, and you know, we, we definitely get to the point where it's like, okay, like the knock in then turns into, you know, whispers crying out for Peter's help. You know, Peter's trying to uh, communicate in other forms, primarily like through artwork at school. So like there's like a whole like subplot with the substitute teacher, Miss Divine, which I don't know why they chose a stripper name of all <laughs> things for like a substitute teacher name. But that's like a completely different point. Uh, but, you know, obviously, like, she plays a pretty central role and she ends up being uh, really the person who was always there to, like, check in on Peter. She's a worry ward. She makes house calls, all that shit. Uh, and, like, she's the one that Peter reaches out to uh, for help. But, of course, a lot of it stems from the fact that she believes that, you know, he's just being abused at home. Well, okay. So I think I have at least three points here. So I didn't know that it was a first time director. So given that, to be honest, I can be a little bit more forgiving of this. Um, because now the the halfway through the second act and the third act makes sense. And that feels like studio fucking around. That's what it feels like. And now it actually makes a little more sense um, because it didn't. None of that felt like an artistic choice at all. Mm -hmm. Um 
The second point would be, yeah, the teacher's name, Miss Divine. I swear to God, in the third act, every time he yelled that name out, all of the $1 bills I had in my wallet crept out and ended up on my desk. And I'm not <laughs> sure how that happened. Um, so that also is uh, sort of crazy, but also makes sense. Um, the thing with the parents, um, I guess when it when it comes to characters and it comes to their ambiguity, it's sometimes uh, uh, some of that is definitely a good thing um but getting to the end of this movie i mean probably the hardest pill for me to swallow is realizing that peter was basically played by his sister um and that in murdering his parents he's basically become complicit in this whole thing um and, and maybe moreover when when we see the sister, when we see the, the quote-unquote creature, um, one of the weirdest parts of this movie is that as you do these slow reveals of a creature, it's really rare to see a movie where as they give you more and more glimpses, the creature becomes less and less effective mm-hmm. as the whole thing goes on. And then towards the end when it just kind of rolls away into the pit and has the hair go with it, it was just like... I'm sorry, I don't even care anymore. I just, can we just be done with this? And the subplot of the teacher is followed by a sub-subplot of the sort of school bully who decides to bring his, what I can only assume are like Trailer Park family with him to exact some sort of half-assed revenge, and it's like, I mean, I already know they're all cannon fodder, so why the fuck do I care? (laughs) Like, I just didn't give a shit. It was just like, Okay, just go ahead and keep going. It's fine. I'll just pretend that none of this happened and this movie was better. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, as we mentioned, like, uh, the, the whole mystery is just figuring out, okay, like, what's actually inside the walls? Because we know something is there. Uh, and, you know, it, it seems like Peter, like, his entire life, he's basically had the truth spun. Uh, you know, he's he's never getting the full story, whether it's from his parents or uh, from his sister in this case. Uh, so, you know, as we mentioned, the thing in the wall reveals itself to be Peter's sister. Uh, basically, the parents had locked his sister inside the wall. So, uh, you know, a good chunk of the middle portion of the movie is Peter's sister trying to convince him that his parents are not good people uh, and would soon look to kill her. Uh, and then it also tries to convince Peter that after that happens, the parents are then going to lock him inside the wall to take her place once she is dead. Now, it's important to note here that, uh, you know, there's there is some truth to what the, like his sister is telling him. Uh, but again, the, the truth is being spun around on on here. And, uh, you know, she, the whole like story with the sister was like, the explanation of it was uh, very janky. You know, it's very, like, fairy tale esque in the sense that, like, okay, like, his sister was born with this mysterious medical condition, uh, which ended up giving her, you know, strong limbs, sharp teeth. Yeah. And, you know, the parents were just so afraid of the fact that their da- daughter could, uh, you know, hurt people that, you know, they decided to lock her in the basement, uh, which is hidden behind their giant ass refrigerator uh and then when that didn't contain her they ended up digging a pit and would turn that basically into uh you know her cage uh well yeah good job on the pit because she was still roaming through the walls and knocking (laughs) on everything so it's like but i mean i mean so there's a point where she talks about you know peter and when he was born and it's like they were so happy and they did also when I was born, all they did was scream because nobody wants a monster. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so to your point, they don't tell us anything about what's actually actually going on. Um, day one, when a baby's born, even if it has a deformity of some sort, no one's going to label it a monster. Okay, that's just not what's going to happen. And there would have been... I just... I, I struggled to believe that something that if you had... And I believe the, I believe the girl's name is Sarah... So let's say Sarah's born and she has some sort of deformity. And I mean, and even if, because from everything they tell us here, she's 
either a spider or a spider conjurer. So it's like, okay, your baby's born and it's fucking Spider-Man and it's shooting webs out of its ass. Okay, somebody's gonna, someone's gonna come in and do some tests and do some things and probably provide some people with some resources. So it, that piece of it for me is like super not believable. Mm -hmm. I mean, because they don't, they don't give you that little, like a little glimpse of like, like a home birth and a midwife or something like that, where like it could have been way more sellable. Right. Um, and then they talk about other people disappearing and then Peter goes out and he finds. The skull and then were deformed or was that somebody that Sarah killed or was it somebody that the like, I don't even fucking know. Okay. Like I'll, I, I'll, I'll so, get, I'll get into that. <laughs> Um, Please do, because I'm fucking confused. Okay, so there there was an incident uh, on Halloween. So oh, we we learned no trick or treating. Yes. Okay. So we we learned early on that Peter is not allowed to go out to go trick or treating on Halloween, uh, and the way that it is spun by the parents is, uh, you know, the parents are afraid that he might go missing. Uh, so basically, like, that entire concern stems from the fact that on Halloween, uh, like, four years prior to, like, when this movie takes place, uh, a young girl who would live down the street had disappeared. And, yes, there's truth to that, but what Peter doesn't know is the fact that Peter's parents were the ones who had abducted the girl, killed her, and buried her body in the garden, uh, in the backyard. So, basically what had happened is, you know, that year on Halloween, Peter's sister had managed to escape out of her pit. Uh, she ended up crossing paths with this, you know, this young girl uh, who had come to the house to ask for candy. Because, you know, again, it's Halloween. Uh, so, the parents, you know, seeing this, uh, knowing that she was out, you know... Or basically, like, okay, well, we gotta, like, protect our dark family secret here. Uh, and end up killing the girl, and then they just went complete anti-Halloween, we're gonna banish celebrations in their house, and then that's kinda going to be the end of it. <laughs> so, it, like, it's not, like, it's not, like, a great explanation, uh, but it was just, like, one of those scenes where it's, like, they... They definitely could have done a better job of, like, explaining it to you, because, like, it happens, like, so early in the movie that it feels really glossed over. Well, I would argue that it's a fucking terrible explanation, because mm -hmm. I watched this movie three times and did yeah, not pick up exactly. on that. Um, so, okay, well, it makes more sense, but it makes me like this movie even less. Okay, uh, fair enough, I guess, but I don't know. There's, There's so much of this, and... It's it's rare for me to really want to rip on a horror movie, um, but I'm in the fucking zone, so I'm just gonna shred this motherfucker because I can. Um, Peter as a character comes off so afraid and so docile that in my head, even though I know it's a movie, I I struggle to think that he would have the stones to poison the parents. First of all. Um, and it, it's like, I honestly think it's like he'd be even too afraid to go knock on the wall and talk to the voice in the wall because he comes off as so afraid. Um, even when they're sitting at the kitchen table and everyone's like, did you do something different to the soup tonight? It's like, and then he has his head down. It's like they make him just this like super afraid, almost he's almost he's like virgin on martyrdom the whole entire time. And it's like. It doesn't make it believable that he would take a stand to save his sister. It just doesn't make it believable to me. Um, and the other piece with the sister, um, you know, now that you've told me that the sister got out and somebody else saw her, so they had to kill the kid. I mean, I hate to say it. At what point do you just go down to the pit and, you know, drop some cyanide down in the hole and deal with this the Spider-Man daughter that you have and just call it fucking good and then try to live a normal life. I mean, it's clearly a secret, but it's like, it, it seems infinitely solvable to me <laughs> without having to, you know, commit murder and lock people up and homeschool your kid because he got into a fight at school. And yeah, there's just, there's so many fucking holes in this. It's just, 
yeah, it's like a piece of Swiss cheese. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we do have things uh, start to take a, a pretty drastic turn uh, once the sister convinces him that his parents are planning to kill him. Uh, so basically at this point, Peter's just fearing for his life. And, you know, as you mentioned, he does poison his parents and he does that by obviously mixing rat poison into the soup that his mom prepared. Uh, I, I don't know if it's like every evening, but like, it's definitely a meal that they have frequently just based on the fact that like, you know, even like the dad's like, you don't need to do something different with this. And then, you know, well, yeah, they, they like do the whole the like family's taco Tuesday, yeah. right? The family's taco Tuesday. It's just soup day. You know, and he's like, so, but I mean, that's probably honestly one of the more believable things. Cause it's like in, in a lot of households, mm-hmm. it's like, if you're more than one person who does more than just takeout, it's like on a certain night, you know, in my house, Tuesday night, when I'm, when I'm enjoying our twisted Tuesday, I'm having homemade pizza mm-hmm. every fucking Tuesday night. It's just what happens. So that part of it in and of itself is believable, but I still struggle with the character and just his overall level of timidness where i don't like and and i know he's being pushed by the sister sarah to do these things but it's like i don't see him pushing that bully down the stairs i don't see it you know and even after even after we had our our halloween ripoff pumpkin smash at the beginning of the movie like i just didn't see it i didn't see him ever having the backbone to do it because they made the character so timid Mm mm-hmm yeah, he, he's not, like, as outgoing as, say, like, the kid that we had in uh, The Babadook, <laughs> who really had an affection for the monsters. Uh, but, you know, the, the poisoning scene, I thought, was actually uh, pretty effective. I think it was a little too drawn out to, like, actually build up to the moment where things do turn to violence. Because, uh, you know, we, we you kind of have, like, that the turnover moment where, like, the, the organs start to implode due to the poison. And, you know, Peter's running to basically steal the keys as, uh, you know, his mom is begging him not to release his sister. Uh, but, you know, there's like a probably like a two and a half minute build up here before, like, you know, the dad just starts to violently vomit blood all over, you know, the kitchen table. Uh, and then, you know, you have the mom basically like grabbing one of like the really sharp knives and like chasing him up the stairs. And, you know, he's trying to you know, basically kick her in the face and push her down the stairs, which would have been the second time you would have, you know, pushed someone down the stairs uh, <laughs> in this case. But, you know, Peter just, at this point, just doesn't give a fuck. You know, he ignores all of the warnings from his mom, opens the hatch that is, uh, you know, hidden behind the wooden clock that's in his parents' bedroom, uh, basically completely convincing himself that he is making the right decision. Uh, but, of course, again... Spun truth from the sister here. Uh, this is all, you know, a trick being played on him. And, you know, we see his sister crawling out from her prison. Uh, you know, basically saying, like, you know, she'd force Peter to kill the, their parents as part of, uh, you know, her way of enacting revenge. Uh, so at this point, you know, we, we kind of, like, have that moment where it's like she's threatening to kill Peter... As, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like, she has always been jealous of the fact that, uh, you know, Peter's always had this, you know, soft bed to sleep in while she had to, like, sleep on cobwebs with spiders nesting in her hair. <laughs> well, and they pull some of that stuff pretty early, pretty early in the movie, like when he's, you know, he effectively falls asleep at his desk and then there's a spider that crawls out of his hair. So, I mean, so, and this is the hard part with this movie. Some of that was so fucking good. It was so fucking good. Um, like I said, like the pumpkin smash, that was a straight up rip off out of Halloween. Straight up. I mean, and I mean, you know, imitation being the sincerest form of flattery, maybe that's okay. Um, you know, but then like having the bully walk back into the classroom and his mom's kind of giving him the elbow and he puts down the the replacement pumpkin with the way worse drawing on it. And he's like, sorry. Um but then at the same time, it's like all the other kids in the class are chuckling. And I don't think in the current day that <clears throat> let's assume for a second that a parent actually had the stones to own their kids shitty behavior and actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the teacher would let all the rest of the kids just kind of chuckle like that. So I don't know. Maybe I've just honestly gotten too old and too just kind of uh, soured on the world but there were so many moments in here that I just don't think would happen. I just don't think they'd happen. Um, 
you know, Peter being conned by his sister who lives in the walls and then ultimately being sold out. Uh, like, that's one of the more believable things in the movie. <laughs> you know, not that people would ever go out of the way to be nice to each other or do anything um, good for each other. But then even the teacher, you know, trying to like keep in contact with Peter and bringing his last test home and just saying, you know, just wanted to check on him. And it's like, oh, don't worry, he'll be homeschooled. Like, as wholesome as that feels, it also feels in the modern times that it's like somebody really stepping over the line and like somebody would call somebody and somebody might go to jail, mm -hmm. you know? So it's a lot of the things in this movie that are meant, I think, to be taken as good things ultimately in the society we live in now sort of come off as bad things. Mm -hmm. um, and then even when we get to our bullies in the end, it's like our bullies with the rabbit masks and all. I mean, they're like the least believable thing probably in this entire movie. Um, like, I think it's more believable that you could be locked into a pit and because you were locked in a pit and you had lots of time on your hands, you learned to climb. Like, you could turn into a human fucking spider, right? That That's more believable than our bullies were at the end. The bullies, it was like, why the fuck are you here? Like, like, is your is your family honored down at the trailer park in that much jeopardy that you have to come here and, like, fuck this, like, eight-year-old kid up because he shoved you down the stairs? It's like, I... Okay, I'm I'm doing it again. I'm ranting. I... Yeah, I Tell me to shut up when it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have any problem with it. But yeah, like it's that's definitely like the second point or like the first point in the movie where like we we see, for lack of a better term, like the violent tendencies being, uh, I don't want to say like bestowed upon Pierre, but convinced and instilled in him uh, is when he's taking revenge on his bully, Brian. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, Peter ends up pushing Brian from the top of the stairs, ends up breaking his leg in the scene. Uh, so Brian turns to the aid of, I want to say it was his older cousin, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who, you know, they come up with the plan. Okay, we're going to drop by Peter's house for a visit. You know, we're, we're going to enact a revenge and we're going to do it on Halloween night because why the fuck not? Uh, well, yeah, it's literally, it's literally a guy who owns a windowless van that he spray painted black and lives in a fucking trailer park. I mean, that mm -hmm. came through loud and fucking clear. So, I mean, people with nothing to lose and it's Halloween night. Yeah, that's a dangerous combination. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, Brian's cousin and his friends end up breaking into the house. Uh, one, to trash it, obviously, uh, but also just to kick the shit out of Peter. And, uh, you know, of course, things don't go according to plan uh, because, you know, they quickly become the prey to Peter's sister, who is basically just eager to just tear them apart limb from limb one by one, uh, which does, in fact, happen. Uh, now, you know, of course, in the middle of this, you know, it's kind of like a lot of distraction for the fact that, you know, our substitute teacher, Miss Devine, makes, you know, another house call, uh, in this case, because this comes after, uh, some time where, you know, Peter was on the phone, uh, really just making like an ominous call from, uh, you know, to the teacher earlier in the night, and of course, you know, the mom catches him doing this, so then, you know, Miss Levine tries to call the house back after hearing what Peter had to say. Mom picks up, uh, saying, like, oh, he's like a, a blushing bride. You know, he's got gone all quiet all of a sudden. Uh, so, obviously, like, she, she knew, like, something was wrong at this point and ends up, you know, stopping by the house. Now, the disposal of the bullies. Um, it was, it's an interesting thing, but there are some moments here that do feel extremely cliche uh, for current day horror movies. Now, I, I think I think my favorite aspect of it was when we had the dragon of the body underneath. I think it was like a piano. And then you just yes. see the blood flow just spurt out like a fucking waterfall <laughs> like that. Absolutely fantastic. But, you know, you also had the very cliche moment after this when, you know, the sister grabs hold of one of the bullies and you kind of have, like, that moment where she's, like, flinging the body around and, you know, the kid's, like, calling for help and you just see, like, his body, like, waving up and down against, like, the, like, the door frame. 
mm-hmm. as it's getting like dragged away and it's like okay like i mean obviously like this is a pretty big creature but it's just like we've definitely seen this uh time and time again uh but it's more so like with like supernatural uh movies out there but it was just like one of those scenes where it's like okay like we had something good but now we're taking another step back so it's like there's a lot of give and take in this movie and i i feel like ultimately there's more things that are taken away but well but the 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 bloodshed scene in particular was uh honestly like one of the higher points uh throughout the entirety of this movie uh boy i'm going to respectfully disagree with you and say that the disposal of the bullies honestly after the parents were killed and you know the mom says whatever you do don't let her out mm-hmm. it's like Honestly, to me, it felt like that's where they had intended the movie to end. And then everyone went, wait a minute, we're only at 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Shit. And then, like, everybody in the writer's room got a chance to throw shit at the wall and see what stuck. Um, I didn't think, because of what they do with the creature and because, again, to me, the creature gets less effective every time we see it and every time we see it do something, they are kind of all over the place as to what the creature is, how big it might be, what its powers might be. Um, now, the drag under the piano and the big splatter, there's a piece of me that liked it because it was so just visceral, but at the same time, it also felt a little lazy. Like, this is just what we're going to do. And I'm like, like, fucking really? Because when they when they lock the, pe- the creature back in the pit, it looks like a little girl with super long hair. And it's like, that creature's not picking up anybody and sliding them up and down a doorway and banging them on the floor. It's not going to do that. I don't think it has the, you know, even if it's spent its life in the pit and has learned to crawl really well and climb and do whatever else, I don't... If if it is the physical size that they showed us, mm-hmm. the physical size that they showed us might have been a 10-year-old girl. I don't care how deformed you are or, or how much time you spent in the pit, you're also not fucking John Cena, okay? You're just not... And uh, so a lot of that to me was just like, like I said, the whole end of this thing felt like it was tacked on. Like, so, like literally somebody else came in and went, guess what, guys? It's Friday. We're going to do something completely different. And everyone went, OK, let's see what happens. Um, it just it just didn't hold up. It didn't hold up to like uh, the movie in and of itself with its great premise. Um, at the mom and the dad were great actors in that I had never seen either one of them before, at least that I could recall. Um, but they did a good job of, you know, the dad sort of playing the psycho, the mom sort of playing the put upon lady who has to listen to the psycho. Um, but then poof, they're dead. And then like hijinks ensues. And it just, story-wise, it didn't flow well. It just like kind of came to this abrupt halt. And then they tried to drag Miss Divine back into it. Honestly, who was one of the best characters in the movie. Um, and you get to the very end of it, and they didn't really do anything with her. There was no... I mean, kicking somebody down into a pit and closing the door is not how to end a movie. <laughs> and then somebody obviously figured that out and said well, we'll have this voiceover and it'll be scary. And it's like, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I get your meat. But I, I think like when you're talking about the cast, I I think the person that people are going to look at the most uh, as being like notable or someone that they have seen before was Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander in The Boys. And he was the one who played the father in this. Um, But yes, the, the, oh. the, the very like... The very end of the movie with the voiceover after, you know, we we have Mystifying and Peter joining forces to lure the sister back into the basement, you know, basically locking her back in the pit uh, that, you know, his father had built. You know, it's it, it, it just felt like they're like, OK, like, you know, we're just going to wrap this up. You know, we're going to we're going to try to make this a happy ending, even though, like, you know, it's definitely not going to contain her by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I don't care if, like, you're an eight-year-old boy. The fucking thing's not fucking to work. Uh, but, you know, so we, we know, like, this is an, an inevitability. Like, she's going to find a way out eventually. And when she does, she's going to finish the job. She's going to kill Peter. 
Uh, so, you know, they, they do, like, the voiceover at the end. It's like, oh, when this happened in the theaters, I was like, oh, my God, are they really going to end it like this? Because, you know, they do the whole thing where it's, like, the sister's like, uh, you know, I'm going to be watching your every move. So every time you see a shadow for the rest of your life, you're going to be wondering, is it me? You know, like, it's it's just a really cliche, dull way to end the movie where it's like, oh, anytime you hear, like, the wood floor creaking, it might be me, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, like, we're trying to tell the audience, Peter is never going to have a peaceful night of sleep for the rest of his life, he's going to constantly be looking over his shoulder, and, you know, by the time the credits hit, it's, you, you're, you, you know, you just sit there, and you're thinking, well, that just happened, it's like, you know, we couldn't just, like, tie it up in a bow, it's just like, i much rather would have just had a moment where they either A, just kill the sister, you know, because as you mentioned, like, that, you know, that's, like, the most believable aspect of, like, you know, like, there seems to be an easier solution than just, like, locking her away at this point in time, you know? Like, we didn't have any, like, you know, like, flamethrowers or any shit to, like, try to kill the spider. Nope, doesn't happen. You know, we're just gonna, like, put it back in its cage, you know, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna be like, all right, that's it. Game over. <laughs> so well, like, and that's but that's that's honestly a piece of why I think there was some studio interference here. Mm-hmm. And I think it was studio interference on two fronts. I think there was one guy who saw this and went, oh, God, this is awful. We just need to hurry up and end it. And then there was one guy who was like, no, no, no. We can get to this really fun, creative ending. And in the end, it's like they ended up duking it out in the parking lot. We got a bit of both. Mm-hmm. And it was like it just didn't work because – Honestly, for me, a better ending would have been John Goodman with a hard hack and a hard hat and a like a backpack full of pesticide walking in and going, "What do we got here?" and just opening the valve. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they didn't do they didn't do anything to wrap this up. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, sometimes you get to the end of the movie, a little bit of ambiguity is okay. Like. No character other than, I guess, the parents and the bullies who, the bullies we knew they were cannon fodder. The parent kill, I'll admit, was cool because I what the first time I saw it, I didn't think that was the first thing that they were gonna do. Mm-hmm. And as soon as as soon as I as soon as I was like, does it smell like cinnamon? I was like, oh, you devious little shit. <laughs> um, but it didn't all lead to anything. Right. There wasn't any payoff. It wasn't. Peter escaped and got to go to a normal home. There was nobody came to the house with a, you know, a, a piece of flypaper and trapped the sister. Nothing. Mm. I mean, it was like, so what do you give him here? And the, yeah, I got to the end of that. And it's just like, for the three times I've watched it in the last two days now, I said, I get to the end of that. And I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> just honestly, fuck you. What? Uh, why? Why is this the end of this movie? You could have, mm. you could have really redeemed yourself with a really good ending. And they just went, I just... Somebody didn't take their Viagra and everybody went limp and there was no pay off. Yeah, so. you know, we, you don't have that that heartfelt moment of, uh, you know, mystifying, adopting Peter and just leaving, oh, hell leaving, yes. the, leaving the spider to rot in this case. And that's like the other thing, too. So, like, obviously, you know, the sister spins the truth. Uh, is very adamant about killing Peter. And you, you never have that moment where Peter is like, hmm, maybe I should try to fight back. You know, because, you know, this person was already trying to give me violent tendencies. So, you know, let's uh, let's try to one up her in this case. And, you know, we didn't have any moment where, you know, Peter tries to kill her or tries to poison her or anything, you know, like that either. Uh, But, yeah, it's just like one of those things. It's just like there needed to be something else beyond this, you know, like because I know there are a ton of people out there who might listen to this podcast and say, if, if there's a spider in my house, I'm going to torch that motherfucker, whether it's the spider or whether it's the house, <laughs> depending on the size of the spider, right? None of that happens. It's just like, hey, that, I'm going to <laughs> go with what my buddy Ricky once said. And he said, if I go to my toilet and there's a spider, the spider owns that toilet now. I'm not going. I mean, so, I mean, people are it with the whole spider thing. There is a whole different level of fear, right? And mm-hmm. it's call it what it is. It's arachnophobia, right? And they didn't do a fucking thing with it. They they covered the spider thing with a little bit of J horror hair mm-hmm. and just went, no one's gonna notice. Trust me. And you're like, guess what? I noticed. And you go, ugh. 
Yep. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I. You. You didn't ever give me any details, but you did say to me this movie was released at the wrong time. Yeah. And I was like, I took that. I took that as it's probably pretty good, but I'll wait and be patient. Mm-hmm. And um. And I'm saying that because I don't want to accuse you of lying to me. So I'm not I'm not <laughs> accusing you of lying to me. This movie was not good. Um, and it, it had so many opportunities to, like, rise above all of its predecessors and all the things that it very blatantly ripped off. Mm-hmm. This is horror. I'm fine with that. The ripoffs don't bother me at all. But you got to do it better. And it just flagged at mm-hmm. every fucking turn. You know, I mean, it, to your point, there could have been something in the end. I mean, even even if they did the laziest movie ending where we've got the little boy, Miss Divine, walking out the front door and he's got a blanket on it and there's flashing police lights and there's somebody coming in to fucking handle this shit and just get it over with. But not even that. And it's just like, mm-hmm. come on, guys. Just fuck, you know? And still, Miss Divine, she can have all my $1 bills all day long. So that's <laughs> works for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's, a, it, it's an interesting theme because, like, this movie really tried to bring, like, the fall aesthetics to the forefront. And uh, I I would say for a movie that tried to shy away from celebrating Halloween, you know, some of the aesthetics that they did, especially, you know, with the backyard uh, and, you know, the the rot, so to speak... Uh, that's the blight. yeah, the blight the that they're dealing with. Yeah, uh, like that was definitely really well done. Uh, but it, but it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's also, it, it's, it's one of those scenes where it's like it's kind of conflicting because it's like they're like trying to you know push Peter away from Halloween, but they're also trying to fully encapsulate you know the feeling of Halloween, uh, you know, throughout this movie. So it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know like where the where the middle ground is. Uh, you know, in in this in particular, but to to your point with the creature, like there there are definitely moments where you know when we're talking about creature design, and regardless of if you're using practical effects or CGI, you do kind of get to the point where you know you have to look at two things. One uh, is at what point in the movie you show the creature. Two, uh, how often you see the creature, and to like what effect, and. For for us, like, especially when it came to, like, say, shark movies in particular, you know, one of the things that we were always kind of, like, looking at is the overall scaling of the creature. And in this movie, that is way more distracting than the CGI. I'm not going to say the CGI was uh, good by any stretch of the imagination, but just the fact, like, there were moments where... You know, it, it looked like a, a 10-year-old girl, but then there were also moments where, you know, she's climbing all over the ceiling, she has the giant limbs everywhere, and she looks like she can be, like, 10 feet fucking tall. And there was just this, this overall lack of consistency when it came to the creature. You know, this is definitely one of those movies that would have paid off more had they not shown us such, like, a, a variance in the scaling. Like, we just needed continuity with this in particular and you know since it is a spider and knowing that you know this has been you know someone who has been locked away inside the walls you know leaning more into like the shadow play aspect of it would have played a lot better to the strengths of this movie rather than just putting everything out on display well i think that's the big piece of it though because they go out of their way to explain to you that she was born deformed. Mm-hmm. Okay. The parents were horrified. She was locked up. Now, there's no part of my brain that's ever going to believe that she was born part spider. Like, I just, okay, whatever. Um, and they went so deep into the J-horror trope with the hair and the crawling. And hey, that's fine. Okay, but you don't get to jump from there to, by the way, I'm a fucking spider. You don't you can't make that jump. That's just not even remotely possible. And then to your other point about the scale of the creature. Yeah, they showed it to you too many times in too many different iterations. And it's like, I I don't. 
I never got enough of one iteration of the quote unquote creature that I thought I should be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Now, when they when they showed you the face and it was coming in and it had that long, broad smile, um, for me, that was actually pretty effective. I thought that was pretty good. But then we got into the, oh, by the way, my limbs are eight feet long and I can crawl on the fucking ceiling. And um, now I have more than four legs. And it's uh, Just make up your fucking mind. Pick mm-hmm. one, man. Just fucking pick one. Because the first real visual that I saw that was not just J-horror hair it got me a little bit like the fucking face was creepy and it's like and and to your point about the third act and the only thing the third act did well really well was the shadow play that's the only thing it did well the rest of it and it's like shadow play shadow play oh by the way full bright lit creature shadow play (laughs) no no, that's not how this is supposed to work (laughs) You're su- when I see the creature, it's supposed to be a little bit darker than the previous scene. Mm. Not just like, by the way, we're in front of the lamp in the hallway. I just, so, yeah. it. So many opportunities to be, to be good. Great premise. The story was pretty compelling. Uh, you know, I, I wanted Peter to be safe, but at the same time, they played Peter to such a fucking pussy that it's like... I didn't. There was no part of me that could ever believe that he would have stood up and like made all these decisions. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he just seemed like he'd be in a corner sucking his fucking thumb until the day he died. He was a, be an eighty-year-old man sucking his thumb, surrounded by the rocking chairs containing the skeletal remains of his parents. So, it's, I, yeah, just it didn't sell across the board. It didn't sell. Yeah. So to to your point about the the broad smile, you know, and I know I'm not going to be the only one that that sees this. Uh, you know when. When they do get through the movie, as soon as that happened, you know, I'm like, we're in Alice in Wonderland right now. This is a Cheshire cat. 100%. With how oh, wide I that saw, smile is. <laughs> I saw, uh, I can't think of the name, but I saw the, I saw the dog from Corpse Bride. Okay. That's what I saw. That's what I, that was my first thought. <laughs> but, but, you know, more in the real world and a little bit scarier, but that's what I saw the first mm-hmm. time. So, I mean, and that's the, that's the interpretation slash perception part of it and i'm i'm always down with that because i always i always loved to hear what somebody else experienced when they saw something like that um but going back to the fact that it okay it's like i'm watching jaws and the first time i see a three foot long lemon shark and the next time it's 47 feet long it's like okay you know what guys come on and and you said it's the continuity the continuity of the character and when you keep changing the character every time I see it, not only does it not allow me to build up any tension and be even remotely frightened of this thing, but just confuses the shit out of me. Like, what am I supposed to be looking at? Is there another bad guy in here? Is there a whole family of spiders down in the pit that are just... So it's like, uh, yeah. Um, again, you know, being a first-time director, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit more forgiving because I can see how you could get trapped by some of this shit and maybe... This feels like a movie where the director was directing, but wasn't like super in control of the of the whole thing, because um, it did go a lot of different directions, you know. So maybe you know, uh, given some time, given a little bit of a uh, a little bit more chops, maybe Samuel Bowden can do a little bit better job, because um, it started out pretty good. I was enjoying the movie, but then it, there were so many things that it was just like. Somebody walks in and slams the door, but somebody forgot to put the pins in the door, so it just fell over anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, come on, man. Just come on. Just you can do better. I know you can do better. Yep. And, uh, you know, as, as we mentioned, like, this was definitely a movie. And, you know, I explained the reason behind it because this was Lionsgate. And, uh, you know, this came out in theaters uh, July 21st and ended up yep. grossing uh, $440,000. Uh, up to this point, so not yeah. not a whole lot. And again, I I well, I, will, I will say the timing of it not great, but it was also Lionsgate and the fact that you know yeah. there was a release window to get the Nun two out, and they put that out Labor Day weekend. Now is that going to say like this movie would have uh, stayed with us better if it was you know released yeah. later in the year? I I don't think so. Uh, because, like, you know, we would still have some of the same issues that we're dealing with. But, like, I, I was really curious to just to to look up, uh, you know, while we're talking, like, uh, 
what was the Rotten Tomato score for this? Because like this does seem like a movie that uh, would get panned based mm-hmm. off of uh, primarily like the script and continuity. Uh, so just looking at this uh, for the critic score, it had a 59 percent. Uh, audience score was at 71. No shit. So, okay, for for genre standards, 71%, honestly, pretty respectable. <laughs> it, it is, it is, but I think the timing of it is what gave you that, because yeah. A, A, nobody is harvesting pumpkins in July, ever. <laughs> um, but I think there's probably also a piece of it that is... For that time frame, summer blockbusters, and there's not a lot of horror out there. Mm-hmm. So I think if all those people that gave it that collective 71% got to watch it again and got to re-rate it, something tells me that would drop like a fucking stone. Yeah. Yeah, it would probably be in, like, the 50s range, like uh, The Exorcist. At least for the for the audience score. Mm. Um, yeah. But- well, and it's... A little sad, honestly, because I, I, I always like to see horror do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe this director gets another shot. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but the story's the story, honestly, is cool. The story's cool. Um, you know, there's too many. There's too many sub subplots to make it like a cohesive story. Um the parents being evil, yeah, I'd totally buy that. But, like, the parents having to go out and murder a girl because she saw... That was a little eh to me. Like, if the girl had been killed by the girl in the pit and they just had to bury her. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, that's on- honestly a-, a little bit more palatable to me than it is we just had to kill her because she saw. And it's mm-hmm. like... I mean, yeah, some cops would show up and they'd probably take your spider baby away <laughs> because you have it locked in a pit in the basement. But, I mean, it's just... Eh. Maybe the hardest part about this movie is going through the whole entire thing is there was just the peril was never there. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I was most afraid for the teacher and it was mostly because I wasn't sure she had enough money to buy pencils for the class. You know? <laughs> so, it's like... I, I And, you know, and I... Yeah... I, I, I'm trying to be kind, but this, this movie basically sucked. Mm-hmm. It basically did. There's, and I, I, I want to try to bob and weave and be nice to it. I can't anymore. It just, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those scenes where it's like, okay. So obviously like the parents were very strict around Halloween, uh, you know, be because of the disappearance of this girl who they murdered after, you know, the sister got out. So it, it it's one of those things where it's like, okay. Like, what sort of impact is this going to have on the town after all of these, you know, kids were disposed of? And we're not just talking about, like, one kid this time, you know? We're talking, I'm not going to say a slew of kids, because it was, like, maybe, like, you know, four, maybe, uh, between, like, the bully and his cousins and whatnot. For me, I much rather would have completely foregone any sort of capturing the sister and putting her back in the pit. I would have just let that shit run wild in the town and just ended it that way, you know? You know, hear the screams of the town, oh. you know, how's this burning and shit? Like, we ne- we needed something more palpable at the end oh, of the fuck. day, and we just Dude, we didn't even, get it. <laughs> yeah, even a... Even an ending scene where you see the sun going down on a cornfield and the cornfield is covered with cobwebs mm-hmm. would have been fucking better than what we actually got. It would have been just because at least it, you know, at least it. Because the end didn't give you anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, Peter, I'm going to torture you forever. Well, guess what? You've been doing that for the last 90 fucking minutes. So what the fuck is new? OK, awesome. Great. You know, it, it, like and to your point, like spreading out into the world, doing something else. It just anything mm-hmm. anything would have been better than the end they gave us so i yeah i wanted this to be good it turns out it was a turd um welcome to the real world grindhouse because sometimes you don't get what you fucking want <laughs> and that just is what it is <laughs> yeah and uh you know with that being said uh we are going to be touching up on another hula movie uh which is one you know you and i have already watched uh and both really enjoyed uh, so later in the week, uh, this episode will probably drop on Halloween, 
or the day before Halloween. Either way, it's going to be a good way. Watch this movie on fucking Halloween. Uh, we're going to be talking yes. about No One Will Save You, <laughs> which is fantastic. I can't wait to uh, to rewatch this over the weekend, sit down, talk about it. Uh I I still need to update like my my movie rankings for the year. I'm a couple of weeks behind, so I I, I don't know currently where I would have it at. So I'll I'll have to reevaluate uh, it. You know when we do the second watch here. Uh, but again, since Tuesday is Halloween, uh, you know we will be doing our normal Twisted Tuesday on Monday, a day early. So keep that in mind. I'll post it in the Discord and on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, just, you know, to get the word out. So people know. So people aren't, like, showing up on Halloween and being like, Drunk, what the fuck? Where is everyone? Because <laughs> uh, you, know, you know there's going to be at least one person that's going to do that. Uh, regardless. So that's that's definitely going to be a thing. But uh, no one will save you. We'll, we'll wrap up our Spooktober. We'll be recording that uh, Sunday night this week. Uh, so we can get back on track. Then, uh, you know, we'll figure out what we are going to do for November. Because uh, here's the thing. With November, there's always a part of me that's like, well, shit. Like, what the fuck are we going to do? Because, one, there's really not that many, like, Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> and we've already, oh, talked, poultry, we've, poultry we've already guys, talked about, like the, bo- like, the bulk of them. Oh. We haven't talked about yeah. poultry, guys. Actually, we haven't even done any uh, trauma movie up to this point in time, but we do have Thanksgiving coming out. So like we do, we, that might be just like a one-off week where, you know, maybe we talk about that one in particular. Uh, obviously like, I'm not going to say like, I'm like super excited about it because it's just taken so fucking long to get to this point after like, we've already had other grindhouse trailers turned into movies, but either way, I, I feel like there's enough there where I, I think, Leaving a week uh, specifically for it is probably going to be worth it just to see, like, how it compares to, you know, some of the counterparts and how well it, uh, how well actually, like, brings the aesthetics and whatnot uh, from the Grindhouse era to the big screen. So, you know, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, but either way, no one will save you this Sunday. Should be a good discussion. I'm looking forward to it. And I know you and I were both pretty high on that movie in particular. Oh, most definitely. So, yeah, so to your point about the yearly stuff, um, yeah, so for, I'm sure one or two people on here might know me from the nightclub, they just got to do their big year-end thing with the Joe Blow Horror Show. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, unfortunately, out of town and otherwise disposed. Um, But we did have a discussion about this, and, yeah, No One Will Save You um, right now is in my top three, (laughs) if you can believe that. Um, and this is having watched it, I think four times now. And I'm at that point where I've kind of gotten cynical and I'm looking for the flaw (laughs) and, um, I'm not finding it. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly not. Um, you know, as far as everything else goes, um, one other one that ended up being a a surprise gem to me was, um, VHS 85. Mm -hmm. Um, and me being me um, and getting the wild hair up my ass that I do every once in a while, I actually reached out to one of the actors to see if they would do an interview for the nightclub. And lo and behold, they said yes. And it was um, um, Evie Bear, who is the shooter in VHS 85. Okay. Anyone who's seen it will know who the shooter is. Um, so do me a favor and go check that out because I worked my ass off on that. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, yeah, coming into the year's end, um, it's... We've talked about it, I think, multiple times. This year's been pretty fucking flat. Um, There's not a ton of standouts. Um, I'm glad that we do have a couple of good ones that we really can talk about, um, and especially No One Will Save You, because it's funny to me how many people I've talked to that don't care for it. Yeah. And I'm I'm really surprised by that. Um, And it's honestly a lot of my deep diving intellectual movie friends that are like, yeah, I didn't really care for that. And it's like, I don't know what is wrong with you, but you're clearly wrong. So, you know, go and check your medication or whatever it is. Um, at the same time, it's like the people that I know that are super like digging horror, like huge dig horror, like we do. A lot of people are just like, there's this 
malaise that has settled over horror this year where people are just like like taking this collective deep breath and it ends with a sigh where it's like uh, and it's like yeah i get it i get it but you know like just be patient and keep waiting because even for 2023 where there's not been like a great breakout horror movie i know that there's been a lot of really good shorts a lot of really good shorts. Um, I would suggest people go find the the short film Chuckles, because that one is fantastic. I would say go find Consumed, because Consumed is fantastic. I had the opportunity to talk with the director on that one. She's a great lady. And that is a great modern era uh, take on consumerism and how we just die at the ring of the doorbell for our Amazon packages. It was fucking beautiful. I loved it. Um, yeah, going into November, man, um, I think the sky is the fucking limit. I think Thanksgiving's got to be in there. Um, I'm really open to whatever kind of you, you're, like you're thinking. I mean, if we, if, we, if, if we tweak back onto phobia or if we try to get into the, the other holiday season, the second holiday season, because ho- Halloween is the first <laughs> holiday season. And then as far as the 31st goes... You know, of all the people that are going to show up because they forgot, it's probably going to be me. <laughs> so, so, um, so if people if people decide to show up at nine thirty on Tuesday, I might do something in the Discord. You never know. Okay. You never know. So, um, if I do it, hey, I do it. If I don't, well, then hey, you know what? I went to bed because I was probably too drunk. <laughs> um, so, um, anyway, still, you know what? Looking forward to Halloween. It's always a great time of year. I'm. This weekend is going to be the big put up the outside exhibit, put up oh, the yeah. twelve foot tall skeleton I finally scored from Home Depot, um, and I scored it in Washington State and had to have it shipped back to my house, and that's a fun story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's it's it is fantastic. It involved three family members, uh, two ski bags, one airplane flight. And one UPS box that somebody lied about the weight on, but somehow got by anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> but I have it, and it's awesome, and it is 12 feet tall, and it is ridiculous. So, um, I'm assuming we'll talk to everybody before Halloween. If we don't, everybody, happy fucking Halloween. It's that time of year. Um, I'm sorry Cobweb was so bad. Um, it's not my fault. I didn't direct it. I could have given them some notes. It could have been better. Um, but yeah. In the meantime, check out No One Will Save You, because that is fantastic. Check out VHS 85. That one is fantastic. Um, And because we're talking lists, if you haven't seen it, go check out Birth Rebirth, because I think that one might end up catching the top spot on my list for the year. Um, Might be a latecomer to the game. We'll see. But so far, that's where we're at. Yeah. And so, yeah. Shout out to everybody that we know. Shout out to my buddies at Joe Blow. Shout out to the nightclub. Uh, shout out to Fixie's Playground. You and your goddamn foosball. Um, and yeah, just fucking happy Halloween, everybody. Just enjoy life. Absolutely. And uh, of course, you know, since it is spooky season, uh, just a reminder, this Friday, Five Nights at Freddy's coming out in theaters. Uh, if you're looking for like a new genre release to check out. Uh, if not, I'm sure there are a number of different genre releases that are being re-released in theaters because I know RMCs are definitely doing a lot of like the five dollar uh, favorites as well, uh, which are mostly older titles. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back Sunday. If we don't see you for that, enjoy your Halloween, and uh, you know, hope to see you on Monday for whatever the fuck we're gonna end up doing, and uh, potentially even Tuesday if uh, you know. People show up anyways, because uh, who knows? Like maybe we'll just do two, two watch parties in a week. Fuck it, who cares? Uh, this I will forget. I will forget. I will forget. And I'll show up to. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be I'll, it's, I, it's <laughs> gonna be you and I, and then we're gonna be like, yeah, fuck it, let's just watch something. Like who who gives Goddamn right. <laughs> like that's fine. <laughs> Sounds awesome to no, me. No so problem. are you gonna are you gonna go this weekend for Five Nights at Freddy's? Yes, I'll be seeing it on Friday. I'm sure. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull it off Friday, but I might be able to pull it off on sunday we'll see we'll okay. see because i think it's i it's so interesting that they've taken that piece of ip that has waited so long for this and they've made it pg-13 i'm i there's a piece of my mind that says somebody made the conscious choice to do that and it's going to be really fucking special because of it 
but I don't know for sure. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just have to wait. Either way, I'm I'm excited about it just because uh, you know, obviously, like that that particular game franchise uh, really blew up. It, it was definitely one of the more like viral releases uh, of its time. Oh hell yes. And uh, honestly, like just the the overall marketing for the game and how they expanded it into other medias, whether it's, you know, books, uh, toys, plushies, you name it. They definitely had it for that. So definitely brought in a lot of money. Uh, But yeah, either way, I'm going to go check it out. And, uh, you know, we will see you guys over the weekend for our no one will save you discussion. And until then, guys, you have a good night.